Welcome to the LDS Life Podcast. To contact Kevin Williams, send him an email at kevinw at ldslifepodcast.com. You can also visit his Facebook page at LDS Life Podcast. I tried not to go rain on other people's parade, but I could, I could, it just would slip out. I'd, see, I'd hear Christmas carols, I'd see Christmas lights, and they all just felt like mockery to me because I just still felt this, this very strong bitterness over losing my dad at that time of year. Welcome to the LDS Life Podcast. I am Kevin Williams, the Blind Montana Man, podcasting to you from Billings, Montana. Today, I had Brian Hyde on, and he has been a recurring guest on the show quite a few times. My goal here is to get people who have been on the show, such as Janelle Tobias and Brian Hyde, to talk about their favorite Christmas. Now, either their favorite Christmas, favorite Christmas story, favorite traditions, whatever. Now, I am trying to get some other people here, and hopefully they will come on. I think you will enjoy this interview I had with Brian Hyde. Very heartwarming, and I think a lot of you can relate to it. I can certainly relate to losing a loved one over Christmas. In fact, just before Christmas of 2002, a few weeks before, my mother passed away, so I can kind of relate to what he's saying. And we also talked about what changed him? Why did he change his viewpoint of Christmas during the Christmas of 1995? Let's get on with the podcast. It is December 17th, 2021 on Friday. I'm Kevin Williams, the Blind Montana Man. This is the LDS Live Podcast. Brian Hyde is my guest. We're continuing the Christmas Tradition Podcast. Thanks to my sister. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to have you back on the podcast. It's been a while. It has, but I know you've had a lot of great interviews, so I, I've been enjoying listening, and uh, well, I'm, yeah. just, I'm, glad, I'm glad to be part of your lineup. You've had some really big interviews here lately. Yeah, not only the, yeah, not only have I done this LDS Life podcast, but I, as you know, I've done another podcast, or I'm doing one called Canning Plus 7. That's really good. But uh, yeah, so Brian, what is your favorite Christmas tradition, favorite Christmas story? And I'll just let you take over. <laughs> um, my, my favorite Christmas tradition is uh, going with my family to look at Christmas lights, because no matter where we have lived, in the last 25 years, we have been able to always find someone who has uh, just a, a few drops of Clark Griswold blood in their veins. So they are they are all in when it comes to putting up Christmas lights. And I love to see the creativity and, um, you know, it's 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 fun. That's just one of those family things that and pizza on Christmas Eve seems to be uh, one of our longstanding traditions. Where do you now, get the pizza from? Uh, Papa Murphy's kind of tends to be the favorite. I love one. Papa Murphy's. Yeah, this is not an you know. advertisement. This is just uh, us talking. Okay, yeah, love Papa yeah. Murphy's. The the, uh, the product placement here is totally unintentional, but um, yeah, that's that's <laughs> always just been one of one of our traditions. And you know, as far as a Christmas story goes, I want to share with you the year the Christmas tree wouldn't stand. Yeah, go ahead. Because this this was kind of a turning point year in my life. Um, this was in 1989. I think I was uh, I was turning 24 years old. Just my birthday is just a little bit before Christmas, and um, my dad came to me the day after Thanksgiving and told me that he was terminal. His, uh, he had had cancer 12 years before, had had radiation therapy and surgery, and had actually, you know, beat it for 12 years. But when it came back, it, it came back, you know, very, uh, very quickly. And just he was gone in a very short time. Oh, wow. But knowing that he was terminal 
at Christmas was uh, was very discouraging, at least to me. It, it seemed like, um, you know, there, there was nothing we could really do about it. So I to, to show my appreciation to my folks, I went and bought them their Christmas tree that year. And I bought this beautiful blue spruce that was just absolutely gorgeous. But when I got it home and went to put it in the Christmas tree stand, I realized that uh, there was a branch down on the lower end of that tree that prevented it from seeding in the stand completely. And so I, you know, I tried to seed it as best I could. I tried a number of different uh, things, including, you know, taking wires like guy wires to keep it standing up. Every morning, my parents would come out and that tree would be laying on the floor. You know, <laughs> it was just like, oh, oh this no, is, I'll bet there were needles is, is and everything all over the place, too. Yeah, it just it, and it, it became a real pain in the butt. And it was clear what needed to happen. I needed to saw off that particular limb but by doing it it would take a very good chunk out of the christmas tree and and leave a very noticeable hole in the christmas tree so i was like oh it's going to ruin it if i do that um finally that's what it came down to though we, we had to saw off that limb we tried to position it so you know that side of the tree isn't you know facing front and the tree finally was was standing you know okay and i, I always kind of felt like that that cutting off of that limb sort of symbolized, you know, the impending loss that we were about to experience in our family. Uh, my dad fell on Christmas Day while we were opening uh, our presents. He actually took a fall right there in the living room. Oh, and, wow. And I could see it hurting. And he got up and, and retired, you know, to his bedroom. And I don't think he ever left his bedroom again within, you know, within a, a few weeks. He was gone. And I, and my sister and I, we joked around, you know, sometimes in really tough times, you have to have a little bit of black humor to just, you know, yeah. to, to help yourself get through. So w yeah. we would refer to it as well, you know, it's, at least it'll never be as bad as the year the Christmas tree wouldn't stand. You know, that was kind of our, our way of, of dealing with the situation as best we could. What I didn't realize, though, was that that would follow me, that, uh, that uh, cynicism would actually follow me and would grow over the next few Christmases. In fact, for the next few Christmases, I actually hated Christmas. And, and I mean, I, I tried not to go rain on other people's parade, but I could, I could, it just would slip out. I'd, see, I'd hear Christmas carols, I'd see Christmas lights, and they all just felt like mockery to me because I just still felt this, this very strong bitterness over losing my dad at that time of year. I mean, it was, it was I, I didn't like that but I didn't really know how to, uh, to let loose of it either. And this went on for about three or four years. And it changed when one night my wife and I went to watch a show called The Forgotten Carols Excellent by Michael show. Okay, you're familiar with it. So, Oh, yeah. I have a story to tell you off the podcast about that, but go ahead. Okay, so the bottom line is I went to go see that, sh that show. And this was in 1995. It was at the College of Southern Idaho in Twin Falls. And my wife and I went there along with a sizable chunk of the community. I mean, the place was packed. I had never heard of the Forgotten Carols. I'd heard a radio ad or something about them, but I didn't really know what to expect. And Kevin, I am ashamed to admit, I went in there with that cynical, all right, let's have our Christmas show, whoop-de-doo, you know, attitude. Um, I was just still bugged by Christmas. But the way that story was told, and I'm not going to spoil it for people other than to say, it's the Christmas story through the eyes of lesser known characters or people who would have been a part of that first Christmas story. And it was told with such um, 
tenderness and 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 such a a perfect focus on the the birth of the Christ child. Uh, I gotta say, you know, through that performance, I found myself um, actually uh, getting my my compass recalibrated. You know, I I, I was getting uh, I was getting an adjustment in, in uh, my point of view, and I walked out of that auditorium a very different person. Um, and, and, and I have to say the thing that really changed it for me, I had the chance to interview Michael McLean the next morning on the radio. And, and, and I told him, I said, I got to tell you something weird that happened last night. I've hated Christmas for the last few years, but I went to your performance and, you know, I found my love for Christmas through your music and, and through your message. And he said, I hear that a lot, I guess it's 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 very common for people who have lost a loved one around the holidays to to tell him you know the comfort that 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 show has brought them and, and he gave, came over and gave me a hug and said you deserve this you know um so that's that's the year the christmas tree wouldn't stand into how uh, how i found uh, you know that that love of christmas again um i i wish i wish i could tell you that uh, you know from then on every christmas has been great all i know is um, it's been, you know, 25, 26 years. I still can't hear music from the Forgotten Carols without getting a little bit choked up. It's crazy. It's like tell you people, a story. Ask, people ask me, you want to go see the show? And I'm kind of like, well, no, because I, I don't want you to see me sitting there weeping. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. I was a senior in high school and I had I saw the uh, Forgotten uh, Christmas Carols. Back in 2008. Uh, when was it 2014 and i don't remember the story i just remember the music and the feeling i had was really good it was like uh, the uh, spiritual overhaul but i'll tell you this yeah. you've heard the obviously you've heard the three king song mm -hmm. and i heard that when i was in high school and it was a choir teacher that was playing it. And, uh, and I thought the song was talking directly to me. I was, had some questions and I just, I, it, it was, uh, it was a weird thing. I felt the song was talking directly to me, telling me I could do better. Yeah, have you had that experience with any of the songs? All I know is every song that I heard throughout that performance seemed to, um, reinforce just how much the savior loved me and that's that's something that i i mean i of course i know of course i know jesus loves me but through that telling of the christmas story um i don't know michael mclean has a gift of com communicating the savior's love for everyone and and it it was when people talk about, you know, it's weird, you know, my heart changed. I swear, like the Grinch, my heart probably grew three sizes during that performance. But um, it was so refreshing to walk out of there and, and not have any of that bitterness or that that sorrow that had had been just sticking to me over the years. Um, I was happy to no longer be a big wet blanket on, on my family members, you know, and, and somebody they wouldn't want to be around at Christmas time. Um, anyway, I, I I still love the show. And I think it's one of those. Uh, those very underrated Christmas experiences. If a person gets a chance to go and see it, I'd highly recommend it. So is that, is that the only time that you've seen the show? Or have you seen it since? Oh no, I've seen it many times since. And, okay. and still it just, it, it's hard to convey 
how deeply that show touches my heart. But, you know, it, I guess it will always be. That's, that's the, that is the program or that's the, the show that gave me back Christmas at a time when I really needed a little uh, adjustment in my focus. So would you say the Christmas of 95 was your favorite Christmas? It was one of the best. Yeah, it was, uh, it felt like, it felt like for the first time in my life, I really understood the, the importance, you know, the real deep meaning behind Christmas. I've always loved the, the, you know, the festivities. I've always loved the, the parties and getting together with family and all the food that goes with, with Christmas time. But it was, uh, that was the most real Christmas that, uh, that I could remember up to that point in my life. Well, let me uh, tell you, I had an experience, and I, I don't want to repeat it because I talked about it yesterday. The Christmas of 93 was the worst Christmas I'd ever had, but the best for me. And then the Christmas of 94 was very different. I could tell that the, it turned. The, you know, most children are waking their parents up saying, when are we going to open presents? And very giddy. Well, my parents had to wake me up Christmas day of 94. I knew things changed forever because I was usually one of the first people up. So, but I just realized, yeah, it's great to receive presents. Yes. I had a Christmas list this year that I sent to my siblings, but I'm, I'm beyond that. It's great to get presents. Don't get me wrong, but I'm more interested in the birth of the Savior. How do you feel about it? I would say that's a, that's a point that I would hope everybody reaches in their life. Look, I never want to lose the wonder of, of what Christmas was like as a kid. That, that really was an amazing time and something that uh, I, I, think, I think should be cherished and that kids should have the chance to enjoy. But, but man, I, when it really came down to it, there, there are a few things that have brought more peace to my mind than being able to really reflect on what was at stake in uh, in the birth of that christ child and and what uh, what came after you know his birth you know his his life and and everything that he accomplished yeah absolutely what is uh, other than the christmas of 95 what's another favorite christmas that you've had oh it's it's hard to say we uh the my, my kids talk to me about their favorite Christmas and that would be the Christmas about 10 years later the Christmas of 2005 that was the Christmas that uh, my wife and I unexpectedly became the guardians of a six-month-old baby boy oh and yeah it was uh, it was a choice he could either go into foster care or um, we could we could become his legal guardians and we uh, we chose to to become his legal guardians we've had him ever since we're actually in the process of adopting him right now with the hopes that uh, we can get it uh, taken care of within this next week. I don't know if that's going to happen, but the, the paperwork has been filed. But um, my kids always remember making that, uh, that mad dash from Cedar City, Utah, up to Twin Falls, Idaho, to go and sign papers at the, the courthouse and, um, you know, to assume guardianship of, of this, this little baby boy. If you don't mind, uh, how, did, how did that all come about, if you don't mind talking about it? Well, um, the child's parents are, are related to me by blood and, okay. um, they, because of, of some, uh, legal problems, 
they lost their parental rights. And uh, so they had a couple of kids that actually were, were facing the prospect of going into um, foster care. And uh, my sister and I both were able to step up and provide homes for those kids. And actually, both of us have, have ended up raising them. One of my favorite Christmases was the Christmas of 1998. We had just moved to Salt Lake City. Well, we were there for a few months, but we'd moved there. And it was very neat uh, having my nephew for the first time experiencing Christmas. He's much older now, but back then he was a little baby. It was neat having him opening up presents. I guess, uh, let's see, that would have been his second Christmas. And... We both had boppets, and he liked the sound of my boppet. Do you know what a boppet is? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. I am familiar with that toy. For those of you that don't know, I still, I'm uh, 41 years old. I still like to play with the boppet. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's, it's, it's very similar to as Simon says. You push a big button, and it says boppet, twist it, pull it, flick it, whatever. And then you have to do it. And then I think the highest I scored on that thing once was 120 or something. I got pretty high. This is the early boppets, though, where they only, I think your highest score could be 99 unless you passed around. But that was a good Christmas. It wasn't so much what I got. It was just the feeling I had just uh, being in a new place and being uh, with friends later that night, actually seeing extended family for the first time on Christmas Day, not just my grandparents, but extended family. It was uh, there was just something about going to my grandmother's house on my mom's side that was a really good feeling, which I'd never had that experience before on Christmas Day. And, you know, my other grandparents came over and had breakfast with us on my dad's side. It was just really nice to be around extended family for the first time. Interesting. Yes. Any other Christmases you want to talk about or anything else? That's probably that's probably about all I'm good for. But I really appreciate you asking me to share that with you. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can get some more people on before Christmas Day. If not, I wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, folks. And to you, too. Yep. Thank you for listening to the LDS Life Podcast. If you want to make a suggestion, comment, or to recommend a guest, email Kevin Williams at kevinw at ldslifepodcast.com. Be sure to check out his Facebook page, LDS Life Podcast.